things you should know right off the bat. I've had four cups of coffee. I'm a little nervous. Did I mention my name's Chotty? Yeah. Oh, um, this is a podcast for imperfect people, and uh, you should know that uh, I cry in corners. True story. Okay, we're back with uh, season nine of the podcast. Uh, for you guys watching on the YouTubes, um, you'll notice I have a new office space. This is technically a space in my bedroom that my husband set up for me for the podcast. And uh, for those of you listening, welcome back to the uh, podcast. Uh, it's been a while and I'm really excited to be here. Oh, so much has changed since the last season of the podcast, since I've done a podcast of this magnitude. Um, let's see what's changed. I have become a pretty over the top, um, uh, baseball fan. I was never a baseball fan until I moved to the city that I'm in and we have a phenomenal baseball team currently number one. And, um, yeah, Guys, my level of hats and outfits that are Rays ready, it's unhealthy. And so I just feel like somebody should know that. So that's a thing. Anyways, we're kicking off season nine of the podcast. It's called Sacred is a Thing. Oh my gosh. We live in a world where things that are sacred have become incredibly common. And because they are common, um, it's like it's losing its... Uh, Oh my God, it's holiness, even though it's still holy. It's losing um, the reverence that it deserves. Um, and so because of that, I just want to talk about it. And so we are leading into the launch of my brand new book, I Cry in Corners. So over the next 10 weeks, I want to talk about uh, what is sacred because as we launch into the book, which is how to navigate our feelings in a awesome different way. Um, you can't really be a good steward of your emotions if you don't know how sacred uh, your life is, your time is, your family, um, your creativity, and what we're going to talk about today, which is your faith. And so uh, I never realized the importance of sacredness of our faith until I started leading um, others <laughs> in understanding it for themselves. Uh, for me, it's always felt like a given. Like my faith, it's, it's holy, it's, there's a reverence to it, there's an awe to it, because the God that I have experienced, Jesus, um, uh, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, I've had these incredible moments with him, um, not just relationally, but in life, like these really holy miracle type moments. So for me, when I talk about my faith, when I talk about my walk with the Lord, it, man, it just kind of makes me kind of want to like hide under my couch. Like it makes me want to go, God, you're so much bigger than me. You're so holy. You're so worthy of worship. You're so worthy of surrender and sacrifice. It seems like for me, it's always kind of been a given, like to see my faith as sacred. And um, the truth is uh, God is holy and worthy of respect. Uh, so these things attached to God should be sacred and holy and worthy of respect. And so what I've noticed about faith and just watching TV and leading people and having a life 
in this culture is that faith has become uh, reduced to uh, a spiritualism and instead of a, a, a walk and a surrender. And see, when we say yes to Jesus, it's like we surrender our lives, right? Surrender looks like, oh man, yeah, okay, just take it. I, I, I You've got it. I, I can't do it anymore. But sacrifice is different. Sacrifice is your everyday walk with God. It's that reverent, Lord, you are holy. Lord, you are king. Um, uh, I am loyal to you in my life, in my words, in my actions. It's, it's, it's different. It's, um, whew. my hope is that at the end of this episode, you realize how sacred your walk is because God is so holy and so worthy of praise that it shifts how you see your faith walk, that it's not um, something that you say, oh, I, I believe in Jesus, but your life doesn't look like it. Or I'm a spiritual person and yet you got rocks and sage in your house and you think that's going to help you. Like, it's not going to help you. The only thing that'll help you in your life, the only thing that will lead you and lead your emotions well is truly living a life of sacrifice and understanding that the faith walk that you are, I'm assuming if you are listening to this, you are, um, you've been following me for a while. We're in season nine, that you are a believer. You believe in Jesus. And as a believer of Jesus, you are following Jesus. But if you somehow found this podcast and you don't know this Jesus I'm talking about, this might sound crazy to you. This might sound um, like it's like it's foreign. But there is a God who is incredibly holy. He is the Most High God, and He deserves our loyalty. He deserves our sacrifice and our surrender. And my hope is as we walk through this together, understanding sacredness and that it is a thing, and it's a thing that we should embrace, and it is a given that it would draw others in with love and respect and um, in a way that Jesus did and in a way that leads people to Jesus. Okay, so I love Google. Uh, Google's the worst. And I defined sacredness, and, and it said that it's something connected with God. Uh, it's religious rather than secular, which pissed me off a little bit, but regarded with great respect and reverence by a particular religion um, or a, a sacrosect, regarded as too important or valuable to be interfered with. And so what I want to do is I want to look at sacredness through the filter of our faith being sacred. Uh, um, I'm going to use the book of Deuteronomy because I've been living in it for the last six months. And um, if, if you ever want to see what God was talking about when he talked about like living out a sacred life and understanding that our faith and our covenant relationship with God was sacred, go to Deuteronomy. Why, Chadi? Why Deuteronomy? Well, because when G Jesus was on the earth, he, uh, he, I, I, read, I read recently in a book that the, the books of the Bible that he um, quoted the most, that he referenced the most, were Isaiah and Deuteronomy. So what I've spent doing the last year is really kind of doing a deep dive into these books. So far, I'm only in Deuteronomy. I've actually recently finished it. And so Deuteronomy is like this beautiful, epic recap that Moses is giving to the Hebrew people um, after 40 years in the wilderness, and they're about to enter into the promised land. He's saying, Hey, don't forget that God is sacred. Hey, don't forget this covenant relationship. Your faith walk is sacred. Hey, these are the things that make it sacred. These are the rules. These are the things that move. Uh, Chadi, are you talking about the law? I'm going to get to that in a little bit. But why am I talking about the Old Testament? Because it's a beautiful representation of how to follow Jesus and, G and how to follow uh, our, uh, God in a way that has boundaries. 
Now, let me say this. Jesus came and he uh, modeled what this should look like. And so we are not, uh, gosh, uh, we're not like, um, I don't know, what's the word? It's in the Bible, but I've, I've so like out so many words in my mouth talking is hard <laughs> anyways uh we are not it's not we're not subject subject to the law uh, oh my gosh i'm googling it i'm googling it because there's a verse about jesus um jesus came to fulfill the law that's what it is thank you lord okay so jesus came to fulfill the law it's in matthew 5 17 through 20 christ came to fulfill the law right do you think that i have come to abolish the law or the prophets i have not come to abolish them but to fulfill them so jesus has fulfilled the laws that we're about to talk about that's why Jesus is such a bomb model to model our life about. But I'm going back to what the laws were because it shows a level of sacredness and honor that Jesus actually lived out. Okay, so thank you, Lord. That was great. That was great how we just worked together on that one. So the book of Deuteronomy, sacredness isn't a religious thing. It's a lifestyle thing that is embraced because the people of Israel have been rescued by God. Okay, yes, this is so cool. So I wrote this down that the people of Israel don't walk out their faith in a sacred way uh, because God came to build a religion. God did not come to save the, uh, to the Hebrew people and build a religion. God saved them to restore his family. And see, the reason why everything is so sacred that's attached to God is because it's, it's family-oriented. God came to restore his family that Eve really screwed up in the garden. Thanks, Eve. And uh, it's beautiful, man. You know how there's things about your family that, like, they're untouchable? Like, it's family stuff. I'm not, like, Fast and the Furious. It's family. I mean, like, legitimately things that are boundaries and moments that no one can touch because it's attached to your family. That's what walking out your faith with sacredness looks like. It's like understanding these boundaries and that it's attached to family and that the heart behind it is restoring family. It's not like God is a dictator and he's trying to uh, make you do what he wants. God is a loving father who is trying to guide us out of a wilderness and into a promise. And the only way God can do that is when we surrender our lives in such a way to see sacredness as a thing and our faith is sacred as well. If you look at sacredness through the lens of religion, it will feel too weighty and a bit antiquated, right? So when I, uh, my husband a few years ago, uh, he, he made my dream come true and he took me to Rome, which is like dream of my life. And I went and I saw all the churches and I was, man, I cried in every single church. It was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen, right? But all the churches were like kind of empty. And even though they were absolutely gorgeous and full of gold, they were legit mausoleums. So they were like dead people everywhere in the catacombs. And, and I remember leaving Rome thinking, I don't want to build something that's going to eventually be a place for dead people. I want to build something that's living. The church should be living. But the only way the church doesn't become a mausoleum for God's presence is by understanding the sacredness of who God is, the sacredness of what our faith is, and stop seeing sacredness as religion and tradition, and instead seeing it as a, um, a love letter to who God is. I wrote this down, but if you look at sacredness through the lens of a covenant relationship, it will become easy and a given, and it will be something you want to guard. You want to guard it. You want to guard the sacredness of your faith, um, not in a way that looks like crazy stuff on the internet or standing on the side of the road with a microphone. That's not guarding sacredness. That's not guarding your faith. That's not loving people. But in a way that was like Jesus. Jesus lived out this life, loving people, seeing people, being unhurried. Oh, I can't. I'm, I'm not trying not to give you too much that's in the book. But 
in the book, I talk through all the different ways that, of Jesus that allowed him to navigate his feelings and to see his life. But Jesus lived out these laws in such a beautiful way that allowed him to have healthy emotions. And so that's why I want to look at this and let you know that this is something to guard. Okay. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. I'm jumping in. Listen. I'm, oh, I'm going to read in the voice translation, not because I didn't study it in the ESV or for all you guys that have theology degrees. Um, I just have a reading disability, and it's easy for me to comprehend and understand when I read it in the voice. So, yeah, vulnerable moment. There we go. Listen, Israel. The Eternal is our true God, He alone. You should love Him, your true God, with all your heart and your soul, with every ounce of your strength. Make the things I'm commanding you today part of who you are. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you're sitting together in your home and when you're walking together down the road. Make them the last thing you talk about uh, before you go to bed and the first thing you talk about the next morning. Do whatever it takes to remember them. Tie a reminder on your hand and bind a reminder on your forehead where you'll see it all the time, such as on the doorpost where you cross the threshold or on the gate, city gate. Okay, so Chadi, why are you reading this? This is, feels like old school. This feels like, did Jesus even do this? Yes, man. It's like the Shema at the very beginning. Like, uh, this is like, uh, hero Israel, the Lord, our God is one. Like it's a prayer that Jewish people would have prayed and, and referenced. And here we have Moses and he's telling the people something. He's saying, Hey, your faith is sacred. Your faith is worth guarding. He is remember what I told you, Deuteronomy is a recap before they go into the promised land. This is important. God has a promise for for you. God has a plan for you, but you cannot go into that promise uh, without understanding how sacred God is. Like God's not going to let you have a promise if you don't understand how sacred that promise is. And so, and how, cause then you can't steward it. Well, it would be the equivalent of God giving you something that is incredibly costly. And then you just like toss it to the side. Um, and at, at, in the reality of the situation, God wants you to understand and be mature enough to understand how holy and how awesome he is, but also that you belong to him. And thus you need to be set apart. You are God, like literally says, I am holy, right? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. You think of Paul, you think of all the different apostles. You think how Jesus talked like they were imitating a holy God. So then their life, uh, was, there were parts of their life that were holy. Yes. Are we imperfect? Yes. Uh, do we all uh, fall short of sin? Yes. But I'm telling you, when you follow Jesus and you follow Jesus with an understanding that your faith is sacred because he is holy and he is worthy of praise and worthy of surrender and worthy of sacrifice, you look at Deuteronomy different. So let, let me explain this. Your faith becomes sacred, worthy of guarding when your faith is, the first thing is active. Listen, Israel, the eternal uh, is our true God, he alone. Okay, the word listen in the Hebrew is not like listen with your ears. It's listening um, like uh, you've already heard it. it. It's like hearing it and already pushing into action. Okay. So, uh, it's, it's an active listening. It's not like a listening and I'm sitting here and someone calls and I'm like, Oh, I hear it. No, no, no. It's like, I hear it, but I've already jumped into action about it. I've already jumped into what it's going to look like for my life. Your faith should be active. If you will never see your faith as um, uh, sacred if it's not active, if you're not in the word, if you're not praying, if you're not living out the life of Jesus in a way that others can see it. See, there's a thing in this culture right now where people will say, they'll say, oh, I'm spiritual. Oh, I'm not religious. 
Um, yeah, but you're not in relationship with Jesus either. So like, just don't tell people you're a Christian because at this point it's just embarrassing for the rest of us. Like there are so many situations right now in life where I'm like, man, I just, I just want to, um, pull everyone together and be like, guys, for real, we're really screwing this up. We really are hurting people in the process. And our faith should be active in such a way that the scriptures are lived out in our life and it's not regurgitated out of our mouth. That it's not like we use the scripture. My husband uh, preached a phenomenal message about understanding what it's like to live out the light. And there was an um, example that he did where he pulled out a lightsaber like in Star Wars. And he said, most Christians use the light, use their active faith as a lightsaber to cut people down. When the reality is we're meant to be lighthouses for people to be drawn in from the shores of life, from the storms of life, and to experience God. And so when you have an active faith, you don't look like a lightsaber. You look like a lighthouse. The second thing, uh, we find this in verse 6. Make the things I'm commanding you today part of who you are. It's got to be relevant, man. Your faith has to be relevant to the times. Um, not to the point where you are. So it's like you're in the world, but not of the world. What does that look like being relevant? That means you don't talk to people. I just said thus a minute ago. You don't talk to people like you are in 1842. Your prayers don't sound like you're in 1842. Jesus was not a, a white British man. Stop praying like that. Like, I understand that we're reading the King James Version, but like, legit, dude, talk to Jesus like a normal person. I don't think that Jesus was hanging out with Peter, who he called Satan, and was like, thus get behind me. No, he was like, dude, you're dumb. Stop. Stop it. He like At the end of the day, like you have to be able to talk to people, uh, not only because your faith is active, you understand the word, you're in the word, you hear from the Lord, you're walking out this faith walk because you understand that it's sacred, but it's relevant to where you are. Um, relevancy doesn't dumb down the scriptures. It goes back to the scriptures. And so I have a, an incredible friend who's always like, Chadi, go to the scriptures. Uh, when people say things, just go back to the scriptures. And he said it one time in passing, and it's like completely ruined me. Because everybody, you can see it on social media, everyone has a great one-liner. And you know what? It's not bad. I, this is the most the gospel has ever been out. I am for it. But when you're putting out information that is not rooted back into the scripture, then it's a revelation from you and not revelation tied to Jesus. And then what you're doing is you're pulling people back into you instead of pulling back people to Jesus. This revelation I have is meant to be a conversation so that then you will go to the word, the same word that I went to and gain a revelation for yourself. It's not to be like, just repeat what I say. That's not the goal. The goal is for me to follow Jesus in such a sacred way that you then see that and imitate it and then experience Jesus for yourself. There's so many people being hurt by the church and being hurt by Christians. And the sad thing is, is they're never getting to experience Jesus because all they're getting to do is experience us. And we are a freaking hot mess of hurting people trying to serve a perfect God. And so you have to remain relevant, but not to the point where you dumb down and you change the scriptures and you don't go back to the scriptures. I mean, this is, I, I preach this and I have to live this out every day. I live in a city that is, um, that is not, it, it's like the Bible Belt doesn't belong here. It's not here. And, um, and there are people in our church that have very different lifestyles and very different ways of life. But we don't stop preaching the gospel. We don't change the scriptures to fit the culture. Um, 
But what we do is we really love people and we make it relevant and we let the Holy Spirit do the work. When you're living out a relevant faith, thus allowing your, thus, I don't know where the word keeps coming from, but it feels right. Um, that way you're able to really live out a life that is relevant and active. And it's like, it's, it's an active listening and you're out and about. What it does is it draws people in. You cannot be a changer of hearts. You are not the Holy Spirit. But when you facilitate a space for um, God to really use your life, um, the relevancy of your life, uh, it doesn't mean you're relevant because you're culturally relevant. It means that the Holy Spirit can use your life in a relevant way. The third thing is your missional. Uh, repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you're sitting together in your home and when you're walking together down the road. Make them the last thing you talk about before you go to bed and the first thing you talk about the next morning. I have a friend who quite literally, it doesn't matter what song it is, she can repeat it. It's, the cool, it's, it's amazing to me how she can remember everything. It's just she has this phenomenal way of remembering things. And I thought to myself, like, that's, that's how the people of old remembered the Bible. They didn't have TVs. They didn't have songs like that. They would literally repeat scripture over and over and over and over again. It was incredible. And what if we knew the word like that? What if we lived missionally uh, in our family, in our kids, and we're constantly talking about what is God doing? What is he doing in your life? What did he do in your life today? How did you get to share? Like, do you have those conversations with your family? It, your faith will never be sacred if your family is not living out missionally, uh, 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 if you're not living on mission, right? We just did a series in our church called On Mission, and it's all about living out the ways and the truth and the life of Jesus. It's about understanding your identity and your identity in Christ, like, are you living on mission for Christ? If you said yes to Christ, you surrendered your heart, but you never actually sacrificed your life, you're not living on mission. On mission means that you have surrendered your lifestyle. It means that you're surrendered your identity. That means that you have surrendered uh, your actions and all that you are to all who God is. And you're living out your life uh, surrendered and sacrificed in such a way that others can see Jesus in your life. And that's what it looks like to be on mission, living out the ways and the truth and the life of Jesus in such a way that it draws others in as well. And then the final one is that you're consistent. Uh, do whatever it takes to remember them. Tie a reminder on your hand and bind a reminder on your forehead where you'll see it all the time, such as on the doorpost where you cross the threshold or on the city gate. Um, someone asks me all the time, like, do you have tattoos because... Um, you think it's cool. I mean, I'm 42. I'm not trying to be cool at this point. I don't care what people think. Um, I don't have tattoos to make me look cool. I have tattoos as reminders. Every single tattoo on my body is a reminder of a scripture or something that I've had to navigate. And, um, like I, the latest one I have is on my hand and it says, even if, and it's a few guys have been with me a long time. I talk a lot about Daniel, um, in the book Nomad as well as in, I think it's season six where I walk through the book of Daniel and he had an even if faith, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego had an even if faith. And it's my reminder that no matter what I'm navigating and the last two years have been really hard for me. I would say probably some of the most traumatic things have happened over the last three years in my 
my life and um and what I wanted to be reminded of in this season is that that God is still blessing me that God is still holy and sacred and worthy of my praise and worthy of my surrender and worthy of my sacrifice and that my faith should look like even if things suck even if things are hard even if I lose friends even if things are not what I anticipated or expected that God is still good and God is still God and so I would say are you consistently uh, reminding yourself of how good God is? Because God is faithful and God is consistent. And when you're living out of faith that is active, relevant, and missional, what happens is your life gets real consistent. You're consistent in your words. You're consistent in your walking out your faith. You're consistent in... Um, Oh my gosh, reading your Bible, uh, you're consistent in so many things. Seeking God daily in prayer. Like, oh, I, you know, somebody recently said to me, well, I, I go and I pray and I war and I'm in my closet and I'm seeking God and I have this time specifically. Yeah, man, that's cool. I'm for you. If you're an intercessor and that's how you pray, uh, that's great. But for me personally, I pray all day long. I'm constantly seeking God in my thoughts, in my minds, in my words. I'm praying in the spirit when I'm in the bathroom, when I'm doing my makeup, when I'm in the car, like I'm listening to worship music. Like I engage the Lord all day. Can you imagine if I didn't talk to my husband except for 15 minutes a day when I'm asking him for stuff? Like God wants you to be consistent and talk to him daily and you will have an understanding of how sacred God is when he's actually in your life consistently all day long and um, all week long and not just on Sundays. You know, being a person of faith and a follower of Jesus are two different things. Being a person of faith and actually being a real follower of Jesus are two different things. And people of faith see sacred as uh, relics. You know, like, oh, that's old school. That's really, that's sacred, you know, because that's really old school. And, and they say it's like, it's, they make it like real traditional. Like you walk into a church and you're just like, oh, you know, this is really, it's, but it's got, it's not the buildings that are sacred. Um, it's Jesus that is sacred. Um, and anything, uh, anything in our lives that we can sacrifice can become sacred. And so this season, I'm going to talk about creativity and family and time and influence. And it's those things that I believe that if we surrender at the cross and say, God, take these things, make them holy because you are holy. What will happen is not only will you have healthy emotions, not only will you have a consistent and active faith that's relevant and missional and consistent, but people will experience Jesus in a deep, deep way through your life. And so I hope that encourages you. Um, uh, yeah, they got, I just, man, sacred is a thing. And our God is mighty and sacred and worthy of praise. And he is not common. And he is, um, he is still a God of miracles. He is still a God of, of, of uh, man, wholeness. And we are in a world where uh, religion and um, culture has made God common. But he is not common. He is sacred and he is holy and he is worthy of praise. And um, our faith should look like that as well. So yeah, that's all I have today. Um, my prayer is that it blesses you. Um, if you haven't left a review on the podcast, do me a favor, please uh, go to Apple or Amazon or Spotify or wherever um, you listen and please leave a review. 
If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, feel free to leave a comment. Um, please know that I'm praying for you. I am seeking God on your behalf. And I believe that this is just the beginning for you. Chada, you don't even know me. Yeah, but I know that if you're attached to me, I know what God's doing. And I know that the fruit of my life, God is going to bless. And you are the fruit of my life. And um, I'm just excited to see what God's going to do. Um, I hate doing plugs. I hate asking people to buy my book. But this book is different. This book was a struggle. I Cry in Corners comes out August 29th. If you listen to this after August 29th, 2023, go buy the book. Um, if you're listening to this before, go pre-order it. You can get it on Audible. I literally do the Audible. It's awesome. Um, I don't just say that because it's me. I say that because it's like a prophetic declaration I get to say over my friends. It's awesome. And the book is, I'm just really thankful for this book. It's a message that changed my life and my prayer is that it changes yours. So I love you. I love you. I'm praying for you. Keep your faith sacred, because sacred is a thing. I'll see you next time. Love you, weirdos. Do you too have a face that speaks for you and may or may not offend the room? This book is for you. And for everyone else who wants to embrace their feelings, throat punch anxiety, and manage their emotions well, I Cry in Corners, a book about feelings, Jesus, and how Jesus dealt with feelings. Get your copy today.